This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to a brand new season of Total Saints Podcast, the dedicated weekly podcast going to the heart of all things Saints. My name is Ben Stanfield, at Ben Stanners on Twitter, and along with Adam Leach, Chief Sports Writer at the Daily Echo in Southampton, we started this podcast about 12 months or so ago so we could chat, rant and opinionate on Southampton Football Club's rollercoaster journey through English Premier League life. Thankfully, after the ups and downs of last season, we can still do that going into 2018-19. We've also smashed our entire marketing budget to get a new member of the panel this season as well. So Steve Grant, the owner of Saints Web, who I'm sure many of you will know has joined the panel as well. And I'm pleased to say that both of them are with us as we undertake our first pod of the season. So gents, good to have you with us. How are you both keeping? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Ben. It's been a good summer. Uh, loved it. Absolutely loved it. And now obviously dreading the start of the season, really. It's uh, a lot of work, a lot of travelling, but I'm sure there'll be some uh, highlights along the way as well. Yeah. How about you, Steve? Yeah, it's been a it's been a long summer for various reasons, uh, most of which centred around uh, sort of uh, dragging my ass around uh, Russia for four weeks, um, which was in, both an incredible and a draining experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, twenty flights in the space of about four weeks. So um, I'm quite happy to not see the uh, departure lounge of an airport for some time. <laughs> no, absolutely. Well, we, we'll talk uh, briefly uh, again about that in a moment. But it's a good start to your uh, Total Saints pod career, Steve. That we're two minutes in and you've already used the word ass, so that's a good start. So uh, <laughs> there we go. There we go. Welcome to the team. So Adam, we were we're talking briefly there um, just off air before we started about the uh, the summer. So Steve obviously had been around Russia. I know, unlike me, who was sort of eating barbecues, uh, not literally, and drinking beer. Um, you've been doing a, an Ironman out in Germany, haven't you? So a lot fitter than uh, myself, but that that went pretty well for you during the summer. Yeah, that was great. I had a great time. Um, I do, I do love uh, triathlon. That's my uh, big hobby and and sort of passion 
in life and uh, I like doing the long distance stuff the iron distance stuff and yeah so I had the chance to do one out in Germany this summer in a place called uh, Rote in Germany a small village but a huge race um, and it was great I had a great time a good race um, obviously very painful like they always are but in a very satisfying way so that was great and it's been a, a marvelous summer as well because the weather's been so great so for, for doing all the training like swim bike run and, be, and being outside and an awful lot um, the good weather obviously helped, so it's been it's been absolutely uh, a stonking summer. I've thoroughly enjoyed it actually. Yeah, good. And this is your 17th season following Saints, so there there are obviously ups and downs. And I know it's quite a, a draining role in terms of the travel you do. So I mean, just briefly, how do you motivate yourself going into sort of a, a season like this? Is it enthusiasm still that there's there's going to be lots of ups and downs, or does it get a, a bit sort of relentless? No, it's it's absolute horror at this stage. Uh, the uh, when I was coming back from derby for the friendly last weekend i had a moment of utter depression as i realized this was this was it for another booked in for another nine or ten months driving up and down uh the country in a in a Vauxhall corsa um but the thing is yeah well yeah absolutely but the problem i have is i get to this point and i literally i i I almost don't care I, i literally couldn't care less what happens but then i know full well that as soon as the season gets going and you get involved in your watching the games and you're down there all the time you're speaking to people like all you know every day um you can't help but get wrapped up in it all and the emotion of it all and and just the ebb and flow of the season and for me as well it's all the things that people other people don't see that are going on behind the scenes as well that you're uh involved with in some way and as much as you think now oh with a couple of months of not thinking too much about it it doesn't matter you know full well that you'll end up immersed and wrapped up in it uh once again Steve, just moving on to, to you, uh, you know, as many will know, you, you sort of jetted here, there and everywhere around Russia. You, you follow England home and away. So I, I know last time we spoke at the end of last season, you were just getting ready to, to head off uh, to the World Cup. Disappointment for England, I guess, in, in the end, losing in the semi-final. They, they, they obviously achieved a lot to, to get there. But for, from you, from a sort of personal experience, how did you find it all? Oh, it was an extraordinary experience. Um, I mean, I was absolutely knackered by the time, by the time it was all over and I'm um, quite glad to be back. But... I kind of went into the tournament, like most people really, with relatively low expectations, not really not really all that bothered. But as the tournament wore on, all the social media of the, obviously the FA are putting out their own stuff themselves. And you kind of get get this idea that actually the, t- the squad that we've got there actually seemed to be quite likeable for mm. once. Mm. And you kind of get get sort of swept up on the crest of the wave that that, that, that produces, particularly when first first game in the group stage you win in the 91st minute and then obviously the second one where we where we score six and all of a sudden it's um it's lift off and everyone's everyone's getting really excited i actually think the peak was the columbia game with the pen- winning the penalty shootout yeah was was just a moment that and there weren't many of us there it was probably about two and a half three thousand england fans in the ground i guess it was basically uh bogota moved to moscow <laughs> yeah. uh, and winning in in that environment in the way that we did was just extraordinary. Mm. Um, the Sweden game was kind of a bit of a letdown, really, because it was just so easy. Yeah, it was. It was. And it was yeah, it was very odd. Mm. Um, and then I mean, the Croatia game was just the ultimate roller coaster of emotions, really. The sort of build up to the game, and then obviously taking an early lead and being what twenty two minutes, I think, from the World Cup final, mm. Mm. and then just that massive that massive come down as Obviously, they equalise, and and it's then a case of can we hold out for penalties? 
And obviously the answer was no. Mm. I'd actually booked like flights and hotel to stay out there until the day after the final, regardless of what happened. But I got back to my hotel at like half one in the morning after the after the semi-final and just thought, do I really want to stay here for another four nights with basically just a load of Croatians being the happy ones sort of building up to their big day when it could have been us? Yeah. And I just thought, nah. So uh, just book, book myself a flight out of there literally four hours later. I guess the, the one silver lining was it was nice to see Dejan Lovren uh, burst into tears again in the final. But for those of you who are new to the podcast, warm welcomes. And for those who've been with us for longer than that, thanks for coming back. And we look forward to hopefully uh, trying to keep you entertained again uh, throughout this season. Just before we, we sort of move on, I want to say a, a few thank yous. It's been a fairly busy summer for Adam and I trying to, to make some improvements to the podcast for, for this season. So firstly, Dan Leiden, um, he's allowed us to use his artwork for our new logo this season. So thanks very much to Dan for that find him at Dan Leiden on Twitter a German DJ that I came across on YouTube the wonders of YouTube called Wolfgang Law he's uh, he's got a, a version of Oh When the Saints which you probably heard at the start of the podcast which we're gonna gonna use this year and then just lastly um, Paul Eastham who's the uh, the front man for the band Coast at Official Coast has uh, agreed to let us use um, his colours um, track which uh, will play out the pod for the remainder of the season so thanks very much to, to those three guys the aim for the podcast this season really I guess is to keep it a bit shorter and snappier so we're going to try and sort of aim for no more than 45 minutes each week so that you can enjoy it on your commute to or home from work during your lunch break or wherever and whenever you feel like listening we'll talk about what's happening on the pitch what's happening off the pitch and everything in between also this week we're going to have at saints in france on to talk about a new website that him and his team are building at saints world fc this is total saints podcast episode 39 the first of the 2018-19 season end of the, the pod last season between Adam and Simon Peach they said about Mark Hughes that it would be uh, when not if. Adam I remember you saying um, that you wanted to make sure that Saints went with Hughes because they felt it was the right move not necessarily because they felt that uh, it was what they had to do so he obviously got installed pretty shortly after that episode. The, the right move by Saints in the end? Yeah I think it has to be the right move for them. Uh, I don't think there's any other anything else they could do really as a as first off because um of the feel-good factor of the fact that he'd kept them up and then secondly they would have had to had to have gone and found somebody who was going to be better than him if they did if they didn't want him and I think that would have been a fairly difficult ask given everything that had been before and and also given two successive managerial failures two managers in a row that they'd had to sack uh, previous to appointing Hughes as well, that they, I, I'm pretty sure that the thought of going and getting another unproven, untried, untested uh, foreign manager for, from overseas who's only managed uh, outside of England in again would <laughs> would have been a pretty daunting prospect for anybody. So I think it was the right decision, uh, definitely for for many reasons. One because I think Hughes uh, is a good man for the job, and I've I've become even more increasingly. Um, convinced of that during the summer actually mm. funnily enough as I've mused on it more and more uh, and, and also I think for, from those there at the club a sense that they had to do it I mean I think hand on heart uh, I think there's a quite a bit of surprise around uh, from those who who know um, at St Mary's that we haven't seen uh, at least one maybe even two very significant changes at the very top of uh, the echelon of the pyramid at Saints this summer. Yep. But I think that in terms of 
maintaining uh, those positions, really, I think when you've backed yourself into a corner with a couple of years of comparative failure, you know, you can argue the toss as to whether it is failure or not. And as we remember with the interview that I did with Ralph at the end of last season, when I, I said to him two seasons of failure, and he said, well, no, it's not. I mean, last season... Uh, two seasons ago, we did really well. And then you well, you sacked your manager. So you obviously mm. didn't think you did that well. But nonetheless, uh, there's a time when you have to, if you're going to stay I- I- in your job, maybe. And I'm talking r- really on the football operations side here. I'm really talking about Les Reed and I guess Ross Wilson as well. Yep. That you just occasionally are going to have to, uh, whether you think it's right or not. And hopefully they do think it's right with Hughes. But you're just going to have to kind of bow to the crowd a little bit. Because if you don't, then... Um, then I think that's going to make things very ugly, especially when you've probably, in all likelihood, trodden a bit of a tightrope to kind of not go out the door anyway. So I think, for for me, on all regards, I think it's a good appointment, and uh, I think he's the right man at the right time. The only thing I would say, and I'm sure we'll discuss the squad and things like that, is that I would caution that the guy is clearly not a miracle worker. Nobody is. And therefore, I think he still has an awful lot of problems. And I wouldn't be entirely surprised if it's a bit of an iffy season. But I, I don't think you could really necessarily blame him for all of that when you when you start out now. No, indeed. And Steve, it does feel like quite a long time ago since he was appointed, even though even then Saints managed to drag it out one way or another for two or three weeks. But do, do you feel Hughes is obviously a, an experienced Premier League manager, but do you think he, he probably feels he's got a bit of a point to prove after what happened at Stoke? I wouldn't have thought so. I it's possible he might think, well, I've got something to prove to certain journalists and pundits who were sort of banging the drum of, oh, well, it's it's all gone tits up. But at the same time, he knows that the three years previous to the last year, 18 months or so at Stoke, he, he did a very good job there. Three, three years in a row where they finished ninth, which is better than most Stoke fans would have expected. So I wouldn't have thought he's... He's got any sort of designs on proving anybody wrong. Hmm. I mean, he's he's been in and around the Premier League for a number of years as a manager with various different clubs, and it's probably only QPR fans that outright hate him. Yeah. Um, and I always think if you're if you're a manager that's been through that many clubs in the Premier League, and there's only one that would actually genuinely have a really bad word to say about you, then I think you've probably not done too badly. And Adam, Hughes took the Saints team across to China as part of a sort of big PR move in line with the, the Gao ownership. And they played a couple of games over there. I know um, it was a lot of talk about the weather and the humidity and those sort of things. General feedback and, and views you've had on the, the tour out, out there. How did you feel it went? First thing to say is I wasn't there, so I can't um, give anything direct. I can only talk about uh, things that, that I, I've obviously heard um, subsequent to that the Saints are in a position that a lot of clubs are now and that you've got a difficult balancing act because there's obviously a commercial aspect to taking a club away in the summer to go somewhere and in this instance it is obviously directly connected with the ownership and the fact that they want to uh, use the Saints brand to to do what what they want to do in China and that seems to be part of the reason why they bought the club and therefore they own it and they can tell them to go out there. So they go out there, which is fine. The second thing to say is that from a footballing point of view, it's not what you would do. It's not ideal. I don't think it's um, if you were looking for the perfect build up to the season, you wouldn't spend the first two weeks in China, which is what what they did. You know, I think the training facilities 
were below the standard that they could have expected at Staplewood and at home. Right. You've obviously got heat, humidity, you've got jet lag, time difference, and also anybody who's ever known footballers will know full well that they don't really like going away. And they certainly don't like going away, taking away from their families for two weeks for a, a, a flag-waving exercise in China. Mm. And I think, to be honest, from a, I, I hope it was successful from a commercial point of view. I don't know, because I think from a football point of view, we perhaps saw uh, in the friendly at Derby the consequence of going to China for two weeks at the start of pre-season and that they were probably, in my eyes, a little bit behind where they should have been at that point in time. Um, and I know Hughes has now spoken glowingly about the time they've had in France and obviously the result and, and the time there suggests that it hasn't had a hugely detrimental effect in that they've been able to kind of catch up. But uh, but my overriding thing is that you have to do it from a commercial point of view, but let's not pretend that it's what the football side needs or that it's in any way good for the football side of things, because I don't, I don't think it is. But mm. I, I imagine that's why they quite deliberately assuming that could be the case penciled it in right at the start of pre-season because then you've obviously got plenty of time afterwards to recover and of course a, a fairly significant amount of the first team squad for the upcoming season weren't even out in China with them so yeah. it didn't exactly affect everybody anyway so I think that's from everything that I've heard I think that's my summary of, of the situation. I know you saw them up at Derby, Adam, didn't you? So, again, that wasn't a fantastic result, although I know Derby under Lampard have, have won all four games. As you mentioned, have a, a much better week out in France. They uh, they cut the mustard against Dijon yesterday, winning 2-0. So, Steve, I, I know fans, these, this modern fan thinks that teams have to win every game, but I think it's important to remember that pre-season is about getting players fit mentally and physically, really, isn't it? Yeah, everybody bitches and whinges when we have a poor pre-season everyone gets excited when we have a good pre-season there's never any correlation between between what happens in pre-season and generally what happens during the during the actual season I mean I think under Claude Puel we were unbeaten in pre-season it seems as if a significant portion of the fan base deemed that that was a pathetic failure of a season despite the obvious contradictions in that as a fan, I, I find it very difficult to get excited by pre-season these days. Like sort of 10, 10 years or so ago, you'd find me traipsing out to Sweden or um, Switzerland or wherever it was that we were that we were touring. Mm. Uh, and even at like three weeks' notice, when the club decided they weren't going to tell anybody where they were actually going. But now I just think it's the players. The players are obviously you kind of go through the motions a little bit as as a player. I think in those in those situations because. You obviously want to get yourself up to speed. At the same time, you're desperate to not get injured because that sets you back so much. Um, and particularly if you're a fringe player, because obviously a lot of players have come back really late uh, from the World Cup. There are theoretically spaces in the first team available mm. for probably the first two or three weeks, particularly defensively with Mario Yoshida not even not even back in training. I think he got back to the UK this evening, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. And so there's there's at least one first team spot up for grabs for somebody. So you've got players have got to kind of make make that balance. But I think in general they are towards the side of not going in for challenges or playing at hundred percent. It's it's all about fitness and the heart 
the actual hard running is actually done behind closed doors on the training ground. Yeah, I mean, it was noticeable how many running photos there were the, the week before they went out to France and then uh, out in France this, this past week. And they're, they're back in the UK now at time of recording and preparing themselves for, for Celta Vigo and uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach at St Mary's before the season kicks off. Just um, sort of moving on from pre-season, just before we, we speak about transfer ins and outs, Adam, you, you mentioned the, the sort of pyramid in the... Uh, upper echelons of the football club um it's been noticeable certainly to me and i, I think to quite a few fans that mr reed has been a, a little less in the limelight with the the transfers that have come into saints this season certainly in terms of the pr the photos the videos etc etc so i mean do, do you think that that may be more of a, a backseat on on transfers as as been implemented specifically or do you think he's just trying to stay out the limelight and, and give the the head of recruitment a, a better opportunity to to sort of move forward with the signings that are coming in or is it just coincidence well i think it's probably more coincidence i mean let's be honest les has um has kept his head down for a, a long time now and, and as we've discussed before the the longer that you don't say anything the harder it becomes and especially if the team aren't uh you know haven't been performing at the level at which they would have wanted to. So I, I think from Les it's probably just a case of uh, keeping his head down really and, and you know, keeping quiet. I, I'll be interested to see what does develop from here because Ralph committed Les to taking part in this fans forum. <laughs> when I asked him about it at the end of the season, he, he obviously categorically said, yes, Les will be, will be doing it. Um, and if I were Saints, I would, you know, potentially want Les to, to actually kind of speak out a little bit um, in in whatever fashion they see fit, but to probably talk a little bit um, before he gets to the fans forum, because I don't think that you'll, you know, realistically, if he hasn't spoken for a long time and given everything that's happened, that's not necessarily the best place to uh, let him let him loose and and to to have the fans there, especially as that's the uh, my understanding is that's the Radio Solon one, so that'll be the one that quite a lot of fans can go to, and and obviously uh, the probably the admission will be. Uh, perhaps less strict um, in terms of who comes than when the club uh, oversees some fans forums um, later in the year. So uh, I would probably want to have punctured that balloon somewhat before he gets in front of the supporters. So it'd be interesting to see what they do. But yeah, I mean, Ross Wilson has um, taken a bit more of a front uh, and centre role. I think that probably is reflected in a little bit of what's going on behind the scenes as well. Uh, maybe they're, they're allowing him to do that, but I think he's always been very influential as well. Um, I think that's why he's there, uh, that he has a job and, and to do. And I think he's he has a lot of influence on what goes on. It's not just Les. Les is in charge overall, but he's also in charge of a whole heap of other football-related things. But you know, on balance again, I, I, if if you if I'm being completely honest, am I a bit surprised that Les survived after the end of last season? If I'm totally honest, yes, I am. But having seen enough of what goes on at Saints down the years, I generally tend to think that most of the time uh, stability is is better than instability, and you just hope that there there obviously have been some errors. Where, you know, there's no point in banging on about them all now. We can see that well enough in the uh, transfer market and the loan players that have gone out that I'm sure we'll talk about. Mm. Um, but if those lessons are learned from, then okay, we move on. I think the only thing is whether, you know, in some people's eyes, it's it's a bit, it's almost too far gone to kind of win them back. But football's football. And if you get results, uh, it's amazing how quickly people do uh, do come back to you. And, and obviously I think Mr. Gow attended the last game of the season um, and I think he was persuaded because of the fact that 
he saw 30 odd thousand fans cheering and, and applauding and being generally happy that actually stability was the way forward rather than making changes. I think that's ultimately what made up his mind. Yeah, no, in- indeed. So that we can build up to the, the, the positives. Carrillo and Buffal, as you mentioned, have both gone out on uh, loan. Jordi Classy's joined Feyenoord this past week as, as well. Um, I, I was going to ask about Tadic, Adam. You, you mentioned him as your player of the season at the end of last year. Um, so I imagine from a, a personal point of view, you were disappointed to see him go. But how, how much of a um, negative do you think that could potentially be for Saints? But I, I know we're going to talk about incomings, but just in terms of what he's um, provided the club over the last three, four years. Well, I think it's a significant departure. Um, I, I think he's gone without as much fanfare as I, I feel he probably deserved. Over the course of four seasons, I know it's a bit of a random window to take, but at the time he's there, he has been their best player over the of players that represented them over those four seasons. He's definitely the best. When you look at you know his appearance record, I, I was almost taken aback to see how many appearances he'd made over those four seasons. He's been, uh, you know, other than it, p- periods of injury, he's effectively been a first name on the team sheet type player. Mm. Um, and I think what uh, was particularly frustrating in terms of the timing of him going was that it appeared for the first time in a while that he had a manager in Mark Hughes who worked out how to get the best out of him again, yeah, yeah. how to make him that brilliant creative talent that we first saw. When I first saw Dusan Tadic play the first those first 12 games or whatever it was under Kuman when he came, he was so creative and so good. I was thinking, you know what? I don't think I've seen anybody like this for Saints since Matt Letizier. Mm. He's got that kind of uh, ability. Now, obviously, that's not exactly how his Saints career did pan out in its entirety. And then having two managers that post Koeman in Puel and Pellegrino that played him in a, in a much more defensive and negative uh, position but one at which, in fairness to him, he always gave his all. I mean, he gave up his creativity, in a way, to be a grafter uh, for the team. And then when Hughes came in, he was like, actually, we need to try and score some goals. This guy's a reliable, regular player. His heart's in the... He's got a massive heart, and um, he's one of my most creative players. Actually, I'm going to give him some freedom, put him in a position where he can thrive. And Tadic was really for my money, the key player in that little run under Hughes in terms of keeping them in the division along perhaps, you know, might argue Alex McCarthy as well, but he was certainly in terms of the creativity was the number one man. So having got a manager that's, that feels like he can get the best out of him to then see him go is frustrating and to lose him is uh for me is very disappointing because again i know they've brought in elianusi who is obviously a direct talent replacement and and on very very short amount of viewing i've had of elianusi plays a relatively similar type of game to Tadic, but you have got somebody in from abroad and you he could be as good as Tadic, he could be better than Tadic. He might be worse than Tadic. Mm. And if and all the time that Saints are making these transfer gambles, you are potentially, when you're taking a gamble, because he's unproven in, in this division, you're buying players like that and you're not paying you know, what I would call top draw money. You are taking the risk that, yes, this might be a brilliant move, but also this might just slightly lessen the quality of not just the squad, but the team, the first team. Again, just a little bit. And we've seen a lot of that over the last couple of years where it's just chipped away. Just that 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 one for that one, if you like, was just a little bit inferior. That one for that one, just a little bit inferior. And obviously we saw the ultimate consequences of that 
under uh, a manager who uh, a bit bereft in the end last season. Mm. I, d- I don't want to dwell um, for ages on players out, Steve, but I think we're all agreed Carrillo, Buffel, Classy, probably none of them surprising, and probably likewise none of them surprising that we can't sell them for, for what we paid. But looking at the ins then, um, firstly, Alex McCarthy obviously signed a new contract, which was a, a big boost for the club as he would have been entering his uh, his last season of contract. As Adam mentioned there, we bought in Al Yanisi, um, we signed Stuart Armstrong, who's looked um, pretty impressive in um, pre-season so far, Angus Garner, a solid young goalkeeper from Manchester City, and Vestergaard um, came in at centre-back. So in terms of Saints' transfer activity within, Steve, what have you made of it this summer so far? Well, I think the biggest surprise to me is that we got business done relatively quickly and relatively early, which Mm. is very unlike us. Normally, we we tend to operate the Spurs model of basically doing absolutely nothing for weeks on end. Everybody gets themselves really worked up and then we blitz it in the last week of the window. Um, So to get, get the deals done early, I think, is probably recognition from the club that they've dropped the ball a little bit in the last 18 months to two years perhaps and yeah I think getting getting those players in in pretty much all of them are in key positions I think for us mm. I mean the the Angus Gunn one did take me by surprise I thought because having signed McCarthy up to a new long-term deal um, which he obviously fully deserved based on his performances second half of last season yeah so then bringing in another goalkeeper for relatively big money, was kind of surprising because, obviously, Fraser Forster is reportedly still our highest-paid player. Yeah. And he's now presumably third choice. So are we going to try and get him out on loan as well? I, I would assume so. But on the sort of wages that's being reported that he's on, we're, we're going to have to be subsidising probably at least half of that. Mm. But other than that, I think we're picking the positions that, that we've needed strengthening for a while, and it's kind of... a I guess you might you might say it's a little bit sort of uh, locking the stable after the horse is bolted, but at least we at least we obviously got got things done at the end of last season in terms of staying in the league, which has given us the opportunity to to kind of rebuild and start again. I guess. Yeah, I thought it was quite telling that um, bearing in mind he is effectively for sale that uh, Chelsea, who uh, you know aren't short of a quiddle decided to move for Rob Green and sign him at 38 years old when they could have had a, a similar British quota player in Forster. So I says. I guess that that says a lot, but there's there's been a lot of chat around um, about strikers. I think that's probably one one area that I still feel we need to to, to look at. But you know, if, if they were to bring in one or two more players, Steve, I mean, do you think strikers a position we need to look at, or do you think based on preseason, Gabbiadini, Shane Long have all scored that Saints will, will sort of give it one more try with those three, Charlie Austin as well? It's it's a difficult one because I think individually all three of them have have assets that are. Um, very useful to us but as a collective I think most people would agree that we are lacking a little bit mm. uh, particularly given that Long and Austin in particular prone to picking up injuries Austin especially you can you can generally write him off for two or three months a season yeah I mean he, he I'm sure he will dispute that but I mean you look at this you look at the statistics it's there's it was only that one season that he had with QPR where he got what 17 18 goals mm. where he managed to get himself on the pitch every week. Yep. Um, so I think if you were being ultra sort of ruthless, then yeah, you would say centre, a big centre forward because we've still, we've still not really replaced Graziano Pella. No. So I think someone of that ilk with a similar, similar sort of scoring record, someone who's going to get you 10, 10 to 15 goals a season, because realistically we are not in the market for someone who's going to score 20 goals a season. No. 
that's that's the sort of player that's going to cost you 35 to 40 million pound and for all the people um fans rightly complain that clubs aren't signing out and out goal scorers but that's because every single club is in the same market for that player mm. every club would love another player that will score them 20 goals a season yeah there's only a finite number of players available who are capable of doing it and an even smaller number of clubs who have got the resources and and some of those clubs will always will always be able to beat us in terms of in terms of what they can offer players mm, absolutely. Um, so so you're always having to look one level down so you're looking at 10 to 15 uh, Premier League goals a season. So that's anywhere between theoretically free and up to 20 million quid, I guess. Mm. Even now, I still think us spending that sort of money still always feels like a gamble. It does. It does. Yeah. What, what about you, Adam? And, uh, you know, do you foresee or from what you've heard in tits and tats and uh, those sort of things, do you foresee Saints still being active in the market? I mean, the Danny Ings thing doesn't seem to be going away, but you and uh, Adam Blackmore are pretty adamant that there's there's not too much to that. Or I think that's that's my understanding of what you uh, you two had mentioned. And, uh, you know, I'm still banging the, the Sam Vokes drum. I think he'd be a, a good sign in, in line with what Steve has said there. But I guess the final point I'd make before I come to you is, I know you mentioned that they decided a couple of years ago they were going to go down this different route of, of playing less of a target man up front anyway. So do you think they, they might still stick with that that model? There's about eight questions there for you to answer. Yeah, I think that they will uh, not rule out, rightly not rule out doing another bit of business, but it's been made relatively clear, hasn't it? Um, Hughes has even said as much that really more have got to go before players are brought in. They've... Mm. Um, yeah, the net spend this year is is 36 uh, million so far, with uh, with obviously Tadic accounting for reducing the 51 by the, the 15 that he went out for, which is a you know a not insignificant amount of money that they've spent. They've probably used up a lot of the Van Dyke cash now, I would assume. The the issue that they've really got is that they've made two more of their biggest signings and this is the the latest in a line of big signings that have failed have gone out um on loan for nothing mm-hmm. and I, I don't know the exact figures but i would um i would be pretty confident to guess that they are contributing a very very significant amount of the wages for the two that have gone out so they're not they're kind of removed from mark hughes's view so they're not a problem for him but for the club they are still the problem and realistically even if they had maintained their value and you could have sold those two for 35 million you could have reinvested that quite comfortably in a 35 million pound player with the wages of those two combined to pay them mm. um the problem they've got is that they can't sell any of these guys they couldn't sell classy I, I i imagine that the chances are they aren't going to be able to sell forster and that'll have to be a loan heavily subsidized wages again as well so this is the issue that they've got is that they've got players there that that other people don't want to buy now we've moaned for years ironically about all the players that they've had that other clubs have wanted to buy and now uh, the moaning is that they've got players that other clubs don't want to buy which i would suggest when you put it on balance is a worse situation to be in when you look at it now so i think that they would like to do something else i'm sure in fact i know they would like to do something else but the problem is funding it and what they don't need what they categorically do not need is another gamble of a player who probably is just going to be another one a bit like what they've got in terms of just being a squad guy that might score you five to ten goals a season if you're looking at a striker Mm. or you know if you're looking at more creative deeper player another one that's similar to what they've got that there's no point they've got the depth in squad of players who are at that level they don't need just to put another body on 
in the in the squad in those positions if they are going to go into the market in an attacking sense either for a deeper creative player or a striker as far as i'm concerned they have to go and shop from the very highest shelf that they possibly can now yeah uh, they need to get somebody who's good enough to come in be better than everyone else they've got in that position be a starter in the team every week and do really well or, or your best guess that they will do that and that means spending some pretty significant money on that person otherwise in my opinion they'd be better off keeping their powder dry and going with what they've got that's yep. what i think personally if they can't get that player that's what they should do for me I, I i understand why people say about a striker and i still think it's probably the most likely area saints will will go for but i would say that unless they're really confident they're going to get somebody stellar so somebody better than austin or gabbiadini effectively what I really want to see is somebody with more pace in that deeper, slightly deeper off the striker creative area. Because I think that is something they, they are just crying out for. And I know, again, it's difficult to get. And again, there's only point, any point in getting somebody like that if you can get somebody good. That's where I would go, because I think with Austin and Gabbiadini, you've got two guys. Unless you're going to, again, as Steve rightly said, unless you're going to suddenly spend a huge amount of cash, which Saints aren't realistically going to do. You've got guys there that if you give give them chances, are going to get you enough goals during the season. The problem for Saints is getting those guys chances. The only other thing that they have done in that area, potentially, is bringing in Stuart Armstrong. Now, again, he's, he's, uh, I, I feel, again, he's a little bit like a one-for-one. One. I think it's a gr- really good deal, and I really liked what I've seen of him. But I think he's probably, ultimately, a replacement for Stephen Davis, really, because they are very, I, I, they're uncannily similar players what are the little I've seen of Armstrong now, but they seem very, very similar. And Davis is one that's, uh, that has been able to be a creative force further forward, albeit not one with pace, but playing in, in that, uh, in that role somewhere behind the, the one striker. But he's obviously what he's 34 now going mm. on 35. Yep. He's got one year left on his contract. Now I think realistically the chances are that barring anything exceptional, this is probably his final year at Saints you would expect and that Armstrong is again almost it's it's a boost to the squad now of an extra player but in the longer term though I think it's a canny bit of business it is kind of a one for one and I think that's a a good signing maybe he can provide something else further forward uh, unless Hughes wants to play him deeper he's he's played him in both of those roles in pre-season but again when I look at the the overall transfer strategy this summer while i completely agree with steve i'm I'm really impressed and i think they deserve credit for getting business done early and i think les and ross deserve credit for that um i would say that effectively they've got two like for likes in that you know the, the armstrong replacement for davis really in real terms i think uh over the fullness of time elianusi a replacement for Tadic, who's already gone out yep they've added one centre-half, which they needed to get another one playing three centre-halves anyway, especially as even though he didn't play, they got rid of Gardos, who was obviously in the club as a senior centre-half, even if he didn't play. And then they've, they've got a second-choice goalkeeper. So the problem that I've got is that you might be making small increments of improvement here and there and little nudges here and there. And I think that the, the signings they've made, I, I believe, will be good signings. I, I just look at it and say uh, the only thing I question is how much have they improved, bearing in mind what happened last season, or are we thinking that these little signings will be enough and that the big difference will be Mark Hughes and he will get so much more out of these guys that, it, that it'll be a completely different campaign. 
Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens at time of recording. There's uh, a couple of weeks of the transfer window open. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether Saints do get any more deals over the line. Now, I mentioned at the start that a team of Saints fans led by creator and owner Robbie at Saints in France are developing and introducing a new Saints fans website, www.saintsworld.co.uk. I caught up with Robbie earlier this week to discuss it further. You'll no doubt have heard and or seen a lot over the last few weeks about the imminent arrival of a new website that will be unveiled for Saints fans to enjoy and investigate. Total Saints Podcast was invited to be the preferred podcast for the website, which we're really excited about, and I'm delighted to say that the brains behind the idea and its owner, Robbie, our beloved at Saints in France, joins us in this week's first episode of the season to talk about it in a little more detail. Robbie, good to have you with us again. I hope you're keeping well. Um, it sounds like it's been uh, quite a busy off-season for you then. Oh, evening, Ben. Evening, everyone. Yeah, it's um, it definitely has. It's If we set a steep learning curve, it would make climbing Everest easy, to be honest, Ben. <laughs> So it's been one of those, yeah, definitely. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, I mean, tell tell us a bit more about the uh, the you know where the idea came from, then, and uh, you know why why you sort of decided to do the site. It's it goes back um, sort of two to three years, to be honest. Ben, we I saw with being on Twitter that there are so many different pages on Twitter. There's different pages on Facebook. There's different websites. And to be honest with you, I mean, ninety nine percent of them are fantastic. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I think what they do is great, but they all seem to be aimed generally in one direction. One may be statistical, uh, one may be like fan forum based. And I, I sort of saw a point where I thought, well, I really would like to appeal to everybody. I'd, I'd like a site where everybody can can, can come and see it. Yep. Um, and it appeals to all age groups and basically the old adage, Saints family. So that's that's where it started say two to two three years ago but I kept putting it off uh, and that is basically down to myself and a lack of confidence the reason it really kicked in I was lucky enough to meet up with Franny Benali and Luke Benali last season at St Mary's on one of my trips over I was chatting to Franny about it and basically the guy just said to me he's like look Rob just do it it's yep. the worst that can happen what's, what's the worst the worst is it doesn't work or, or, you know, you you decide to stop doing it. But that doesn't hurt. That's just a learning curve. And I was like, you're absolutely spot on, Franny. And, and he's the guy that really said to me, get on and do it. And that's where it started off. Fantastic. And I know it was just you initially, wasn't it? But there's quite a team of you now. And then I know you've managed to get some brilliant local Southampton businesses behind you as well. So who's involved in sort of pulling it all together now, Robbie? Really, it's a case of saying who's not been involved. <laughs> um, we've got some fantastic... I mean, I will say now, if I don't mention your name, then, then please don't take it wrong, but uh, I'm hoping I've remembered everyone that, that's been involved so far. Um, we've got some brilliant permanent team members that will be providing content weekly. Yep. Also, we've had some fantastic amount of people that have said that they'd love to provide content, just normal fans, Normal, normal people like me and you yep. that just want to, they just want to write something down. They just want to express what they feel about a game, about a signing, about about anything revolving around the club. And that's what they'll be doing. You may 
disappear from Phil, he may send something in and then you don't see anything for a couple of months. So going through, if I may, um, Chris Gordon, I cannot praise or thank enough. Chris is building the site. Uh, massive Saints fan lives in Canada now. And no way would we be in the position we're in now without his help. Yeah. Um, he, he always plays down what he does and how much he's been involved. But he's um, an absolutely lovely guy, brilliant brilliant guy yeah uh, he's, he's helping to put the site together we've also got mike and mark now mike and mark were voted in by the fans to be on the southampton fans panel yeah uh, to talk about match day experience and things like that now they are going to be based on the site together they will have a weekly slot where fans can give questions and they can also um, answer questions they can take questions that fans want answering by the panel, yeah, brilliant, yeah. As well as giving over what they, what their, their feelings are about the club, uh, about the match, etc. So they're the Saint and Greavesy of, <laughs> uh, of the site in respect to weekly things. We've got Lucy, Alex, and Joe. They will be on a regular basis talking about matches, about the club, about everything else. So hopefully you'll all get to know them as as the site moves along. We've got a lovely lad called Aaron that's running the the Twitter account, yep. and we've got Michelle, who is just in the, the process of building a, a dedicated Facebook page. Yep. So, yes, with respect to sponsors, if I can go through that. Sure, yeah, please do, yeah. Um, right, our, our main site sponsor this year is Drive Personnel. The lovely guy in charge of that is Chris Bryant. Now, you may recognise both the name and the company name because they do a lot of work with Saints Foundation, Correct. yeah? Yep. So, yep. That's how you'll recognise them. Also, uh, very luckily, uh, Steve Lewis from VHO. Mm -hmm. They've come on board to sponsor the site with respect to providing some fantastic prizes uh, as the season goes on for competitions. Both of those guys are massive Saints fans, so it's an absolute pleasure uh, to have them on board with the site. I'm really, really pleased that they uh, showed confidence and faith in us to do that. With respect to some more partners on the site, which leads on to the content side of things, we've got uh, Art of Football, which you'll provide and, and produce some superb football pictures and artwork. And they will be providing a discount dedicated to Saints fans on the site. Yep. We've got Southampton DSA, which is the Southampton Disabled Sports Association. They will be providing as much information as everyone needs about being a disabled supporter of the club, yeah. um, which which will be great, and they'll be open to take questions and also any things things you need answering or things you're not sure about. Then obviously you can get in touch with the site, and they will receive the message directly, and, and they can answer those, which is superb. Yeah, that'd be um, really good. Yep. Very pleased on that one, and also got confirmed that our ladies' football partner is going to be Sutton Women's FC one of the most successful local ladies clubs and uh, they will be providing content for us regarding ladies football coaching from the girls teams right up to their main team and the same again that they'll be providing feature work uh, as well as us covering ladies football and their results yeah fantastic and uh, in, in terms of the site itself then Robbie when are you expecting to, to make it live for all of us to go and have a snoop around Right, well, we're hoping to be live within the next two weeks. So about the start of August, depending on when you're listening to this, yeah? Yeah, pretty much around the start of August. I mean, we've got a lot of content already. It's going to be a fairly soft launch, but 
we really didn't want to just um, just launch and just pump out anything. We wanted to get it right because it's uh, going to be hopefully a good interactive experience for people that visit the site. Brilliant. No, good stuff. And the website address is www.saintsworld.co.uk, right? That's it. Brilliant. And I know you mentioned Twitter, Facebook, etc., etc. So making it clear for everyone so they again they can go and find you, Robbie. What are the Facebook and Twitter addresses? Uh, Facebook is yet to be confirmed. Okay, TBC. Michelle's building that. On Twitter, it's at Saints World FC. Yep. And Instagram, exactly the same, at Saints World FC. Well, I mean, it sounds really exciting. I think all of us are looking forward to playing a part in its success. And, uh, you know, as I say, I know from a, a podcast point of view, hopefully we get some traffic coming your way and uh, and vice versa. And I think it'll be good. You know, certainly I'm looking forward to, to hearing what everyone has to say. I, I think we're we're all looking for a, a much better season than last year, Robbie. I was going to ask you just before you, you sort of finish up, I mean, what are your, your hopes for Saints on the pitch this season? <laughs> well, I think if we had a glass each, Ben, your, yours is usually... <laughs> I mean, they both feel to the same level, but... As the saying goes, half empty, half full. Well, I don't know what you mean. I have no idea what you mean. <laughs> I'd like to think that we, we would be pushing for, for top 10, um, seeing some really nice attacking football. I'd love to see some of the youth coming through, yep. uh, like Karen, you know, Slattery, uh, Jan Valerie, Hesketh, Reed. I think we've got some superb players, and I'm, I'm hoping they get the opportunity Mm. Uh, to get on the pitch. I mean, we're talking, this is typical um, who's coming in, who's going time of the year, yeah. where we're all talking about transfers. But, I mean, you go back two or three seasons, we'll announce that we've got Callum Slattery, we've signed him on a, on a long contract, and then and then it sort of disappears. It goes downhill, we don't hear, we don't we don't see from the guy. Um, same with Jan Valerie. I mean, a couple of years ago, pre-season under Puel, was the guy's immense. I mean, mm. he's, he's, I mean, he's like six foot fifteen, and <laughs> strong. He goes down that right wing, and anyone gets in the way, I mean, they fall over. They mm. have to. Yeah. But yeah. Another, I mean, I know, I know the Premiership. You need experience, but it's the same adage. You apply for a job. If you haven't got experience, you don't get the job. But how do you get the experience if you don't get the job in the first? Yeah. Personally, I mean, if we could, if we could get to the point where we're playing. Some of those players, they get, they're getting the opportunity to play, and if they play well, they keep their place, be it on the bench or, or you know, starting. Then, then I'd be happy if we could maintain a mid-table position, not be in the same position as last year. Because I mean, as you know, we we were both, as was everyone else, like, well, we're going down, we're going down. We you know, as much as you try and tell yourself that you can avoid the drop. Um, it was scary times. Um, it was, it was. I think my, I think my one stage, Robbie. I think my glass probably got quarter full or quarter empty <laughs> or three quarters empty or yeah, yeah. You get a hole in the box. <laughs> exactly. So one, one word then. It's, I think you're kind of giving it away already. But uh, final league position. Um, twelfth. Twelfth. Good. I think we'd, I think we'd take that, wouldn't we? A bit of a mid-table obscurity after last season. Well, well thanks for joining us. Um, good luck with SaintsWorld.co.uk, and you know, very much look forward to uh, inviting you again on the uh, the pod soon, Robbie. That's brilliant. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the first podcast of the season. Hopefully we've not sounded too rusty after a couple of months off. Next week we'll have more of a chat around some of our hopes and predictions before the season kicks off. 
Don't forget you can follow us and interact with us via several social media channels. You can find us on facebook.com at Total Saints Pod. You can find us on Twitter at Total Saints Pod. And you can email us totalsaintspodcast at yahoo.com. We're also hoping to uh, to join patreon.com in the, uh, the next couple of weeks. Adam's been working hard on that and should be able to give us uh, a bit more info on uh, either next week or the week after podcast. You can also visit saintsweb.co.uk for Saints discussion and forum. We're also running a TSP Fantasy League this season via fantasy.premierleague.com. Myself, Steve and Adam have all created our teams. I think mine's must-win FC, Adam. I thought I should go with that. Yours you must have spent hours on is transfers are for wimps. So tell us the, the story behind that, Adam. The story behind that is that when foot trans- fantasy football literally first came out in this country, I played it for a couple of years and I played the Sun Dream Team. And what I liked about that is that you couldn't make any transfers or you could make like one or something in the January window. And that was it because I just cannot be bothered looking at the team every week. So I just like to pick a team and think, well, I'll just I'll just leave it be. So transfers are for wimps uh, is because I will steadfastly refuse to make a single transfer or change in the team throughout the entire season, no matter how badly it's going. Yeah. Uh, bear in mind that I picked the team. I haven't even read the rules. And uh, I mentioned this to somebody else the other day. And uh, I just said, oh, I picked some players I like. But I don't know anything about the scoring or anything like that. And they started to explain the scoring to me. And I was thinking, oh, I don't. <laughs> I've not really done. But I, I, when my first draft of the team, I had £17.5 million left over. And I thought, I'm yeah. not sure this is what you're meant to do, probably. So... I went back and like it reinvested some of it in, in one or yeah. two others. But I basically just picked a team of players that I thought I quite liked. But then when, now I know the scoring system. I'm, my optimism is low. But I certainly will not be making any transfers whatsoever. And just backing that, obviously, my amazing footballing Premier League knowledge will be enough to secure me an inevitable title. <laughs> well, it's interesting, as you were saying that, Adam, I was thinking there that uh, your team's called Transfers Are For Wimps, that you had £17.5 left at the end of the uh, the transfer um, window, and you didn't necessarily know 100% what you were doing with your team. It almost sounded like if Les Reed was playing Fantasy Premier League, that may, may well be him as well. Well, maybe, maybe Les should enter a team. That'd be good, wouldn't yeah. it? We'll, we'll open the door. Les, if you're listening, feel free to join. The code for the site, Les, is 935-385-208-349. And Steve, you've gone for something a little bit more alcoholic, locomotive vodka. Yes. Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> just a tribute to the summer. <laughs> good stuff. So, Well, there is there is still time to join the, the league um, before it shuts. Um, I think we've got 75 teams or so, Adam, so you do well to, to beat all of those without any transfers. But, uh, I yeah. have absolute entire confidence that no. I'll beat the ball well there you go you heard it here first and there will be a prize for the uh, the, the winner at the end of the season who imagine won't be uh, Adam but there we go um, just good. post it straight off to me now <laughs> good stuff so uh, great alright well then um, yeah just uh, finally as well to say thank you to Robbie at Saints in France and uh, good luck to him and the team www.saintsworld.co.uk from the three of us see you next time and keep marching in <laughs>
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.